It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry, don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't oh, suck. Here we go, it's 501. What is up? The Eddie Scazzeri off, Al Dukes off. I got Ed Arzuman, I got Mike Flegelman, and I've got an hour. This is what we have until we get you to Boomer and Geo. The warm up show on a Tuesday. It's Christmas week. I'll tell you, a bizarre week, though, on a lot of levels. And we're going to get to Buck Showalter in a moment because I enjoyed Sal yesterday with Mary Buckmiss. Actually, very creative and well done by Sal Licata. And we got to get to Craig and Buck and all that, too, because, as we mentioned, a couple of things to kind of hit on from yesterday as we head into today. 1 p.m. press conference, the Mets introducing their new manager and Buck Showalter, something I thought would happen Happy to be right once in a while because most times on these things I am wrong. It is a very bizarre week, though, and yes, I still have a cold. I went to the doctor yesterday, not COVID, checked again. I believe that is my ninth COVID test in the last three weeks just to be sure and safe because Christmas is coming up on Friday if you indeed celebrate Christmas or, or Saturday or whatever the hell it is. And I got to tell you, the amount of cases that are out there now, and this is not going to be a political show on COVID-19, because quite frankly, I don't care to do that, even though a couple of idiots on Twitter thought I did that yesterday when I didn't. Um, It's just a strange time right now because you've got lines around buildings for COVID testing. You've got positive cases all over the place. And look no further than what you saw last night in the NFL with the Raider game, uh, with the Viking game, with what the Bears dealt with, what the Browns dealt with. And we'll get to that coming up in a couple of minutes in terms of the way the games went. And also the fact that while you can't say that COVID didn't impact those games, both teams had opportunities to win those games, didn't make the plays when they needed to. In the case of Cleveland, they made a play late, but the defense didn't do the job. But we'll get to that in just a couple of moments. All right. Let's get to Buck Day, because Buck Day begins today at 1 p.m. That is when Buck Showalter will meet the media as the new manager of the New York Mets. And we will, I'm sure, have it live. It's 1 o'clock. He will do the Zoom press conference. Then he'll join Carton and Roberts at 2 o'clock. And here's what I would tell you about the Mets actually landing Buck Showalter. Very interesting take yesterday by Craig. And, And Evan, as Evan always does, battled him on his take. And that was... And in the past, why, if this is such a great hire now, and people have been clamoring for Buck Showalter, why in the past have we heard the name Buck Showalter when the Mets were looking for a manager? And I thought it was interesting that Evan made the point on a couple of occasions, well, you know, the name was kind of out there, but well, we just moved on. Well, he's right and he's wrong. I think the reason why we would mention it and move on was because of ownership. You know, Buck Showalter is going to get paid a lot of money to be the manager of the Mets now. I don't know the previous ownership ever would entertain that, which is why in the past, when the Mets were looking for a manager, you would kind of say Buck Showalter, and then you would kind of just glance on because you knew the Mets were going to go the cheap route. And that's what they did every single time. I mean, when you look at what they've done in terms of that position, Luis Rojas was not well paid. Was not well paid. That dope from Cleveland that then went to L.A. and now is dealing with significant sexual uh, harassment issues, don't even mention his name, you know, going to love your players, he didn't get paid a lot of money. I don't think Terry Collins got paid a lot of money. 
when you look down the list of managers in the Wilpon era after Madoff, they weren't paying for players, let alone managers. So when you wanted to go get a guy, you were never going to go get the guy that was going to cost the most money. Now, Buck Showalter also had jobs until the last few years, most recently with the Orioles. And some would say, well, no one mentioned Buck because the Orioles were terrible. Well, yeah, the Orioles were terrible at the end. He had no roster. You know, Buck Showalter had a good roster. Buck Showalter was a good manager. So now enter Steve Cohen. Now, all of a sudden, Mets free agency. Go get Max Scherzer. Mets go get Max Scherzer. You need Starling Marte. The Mets go get Starling Marte. Need a manager. Bring in Buck Showalter. And when you look at what Buck has done, people will say, well, he's never won a World Series. Maybe not. But I'll tell you what. He's done pretty damn good in every stop he's been. And that includes Texas. That includes Arizona. And, yes, that includes Baltimore. He got the Yankees to a certain point. And there's many Yankee fans that think that the Yankees would have won in 96 with Buck as manager. Many a Yankee fan that believe that Buck is probably still ticked about that. I don't know. I mean, here's what I do know. He worked for the S Network for the last few years, so I don't know how angry at this point he still is. And who cares if he is? He's moved on. And now he's your manager if you're a Mets fan. You know, look at what he did in Arizona. You look in, I mean, the Texas Rangers, the place you feel like you can't win. They were good for a while. Good in Baltimore. Now, here's what you get in Buck. And I don't think this is breaking down any new ground. I don't think this is anything no one knows. But what you get in Buck is you get an accomplished and very well-respected guy in that dugout. What do you think the Mets lacked last year? Now, I think Luis Rojas has a chance to be a good manager because he's a good baseball man from a good baseball family. I said that all last year, and I will continue to say that. He managed in the minor leagues. He knows what he's doing. But young guy dealing with stars, one in particular, perhaps a couple, making a lot of money last year. Very difficult to have control of that locker room if the guys are doing whatever the hell the guys want to do, probably based on what they're making. You know, I don't know if Luis Rojas was going to go tell Francisco Lindor to do this, this, and that, and Lindor was going to do it. It's a little different now, at least in my opinion, that if a guy in his mid-60s that's been around the block, like look at Dusty Baker in Houston. You think anybody on that team was giving Dusty Baker a hard time? I would think not. I would think they respected the hell out of Dusty. And I think that's what you get with Buck. You get instant credibility. Now, on top of that, you've got one of the best, if not the best one-two punches, assuming health, I understand, in DeGrom and Scherzer. That is a locker room that all of a sudden, when you look at the crap that went on last year, and forget all that, what a raccoon, rat, whatever that nonsense was in the, in the dugout with Jeff McNeil and Lindor, that crap is not going to happen this year. Not with Max Scherzer in that dugout, and specifically not with Buck Showalter in that dugout. I found it very interesting. Some of the comments from Manny Machado. Now, Manny Machado, as we know, is in San Diego now. Well, Machado played under Showalter in Baltimore, and he credits Showalter for basically him becoming the player that he is. Listened to him, respected him, and that's what you want to hear, that he respected him. Because if the – listen, here's the thing about managers in baseball. You can make the case head coaches too in football, I think, and probably head coaches in basketball – these guys make so much more money than the coaches. It's ridiculous. 
Now, in football, the money's not guaranteed. The signing bonuses are, and in a lot of cases, that's a good majority of what they make. But in baseball, the contracts are guaranteed. So here's the deal. If Francisco Lindor sucks, you are stuck paying him for the next 9 or 10 years, regardless of what he does. So if he's going to go out there and make $30, $35 million a year, and you've got a manager that's making a million bucks, now you can sit there and say a million. Yeah. Like how much money do you think Luis Rojas was making last year? So let's let's have here's your scenario. Luis Rojas making a million dollars a year. Francisco Lindor is making 30 or 35 million dollars a year, whatever the year is at that particular time. And if all of a sudden a Luis Rojas goes to Francisco Lindor and says, you know what? I don't like the way you're doing X, Y, and Z. I want you to do it this way. And I'm not saying Lindor would do this, but let's say Lindor turned around and said, you know what? No. What is Luis Rojas going to do? Ah, you could suspend him, I suppose. But then you're cutting off your nose to spite your face, I guess. Well, I think it changes with a guy like Buck Showalter. I really do. Now, does this mean the Mets are going to go out in the World Series? No, it doesn't. Because you can spend all the money in the world. You have to stay healthy. And the guy's got to perform. Like Francisco Lindor, we can talk all we want about Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. Francisco Lindor needs to be the same player he was in Cleveland. Now that he's here with the Mets, he can't be the guy that you had last year. And yes, he had a couple of instances where he performed well. Interesting with baseball, you can be tremendous defensively. No one cares. Uh, No one cares. It's all about the numbers you put up offensively. And too many times last year, he was a complete zero in big spots or in complete games, quite frankly. Now, What you like about Lindor, which is why I do think you'll get the big bounce back. Again, love the managerial choice. Love the fact that Matt, that fiery Max Scherzer's in the in the clubhouse and in the in the dugout. But what I liked about Lindor last year, if you're looking for positives going forward, is that his lack of offense never translated or transferred or moved into his play in the field, which tells me. He's good up to upstairs. And for so many guys, if you suck at the plate, you might suck in the field and you become a mental patient and you're thinking too much and you're not just playing the game. I never got the sense that Francisco Lindor wasn't out there at shortstop just playing the game. I always thought that he actually was in the game. Now, at the plate, different story. He struggled and for much of the season struggled. But I like the idea that he was able to do what he needed to do in the field, and you hope that that shifts back to his offense. Because if Francisco Lindor offensively is the Francisco Lindor that we saw in Cleveland, and you get Max Scherzer from what Max Scherzer has been, and a healthy Jacob deGrom, and Starling Marte, and Pete Alonzo. I mean, think about it. now you're Pete Alonzo. You're Pete Alonzo. You got this new manager. You got Max Scherzer. You got a Francisco Lindor back on the up. I mean, my goodness, your job gets easier. So for about 100 different reasons, love the signing and hiring of Buck Showalter. And this is what it does, too. You know, for years and years and years, a Met fan was pretty much hit over the head with Madoff. A Met fan was hit over the head with the Will Ponds are cheap. The Will Ponds don't do this. The Will Ponds don't do that. When, in fact, at times the Will Ponds spend money, the problem was the money wasn't spent very well. And we've seen in baseball, I mean, you can look down the list of teams that don't spend much money and yet win. Look at the Tampa, the Rays. I mean, that they are the prime example of a team that drafts well and develops well, and they win every single year. Hell, they've been in the World Series. 
So you can win by not spending a fortune, but my goodness, when you have those resources and you allocate them properly, God, it makes it easier. And for too many years, the Mets have done it the hard way. Not that this is easy, because it's not. You know, there's many teams that have spent 175, 180, 190 million dollars, and they go nowhere fast. The Mets are going to blow past that, as we know. But I do think, and this is a large part of it, I do think the choices they have made this offseason have been, A, what the fans wanted, but more importantly, B, they've been good baseball moves. Because you can always go out and just throw money at guys. But if the money's not thrown at the right guys that are going to fit here, what's the point? You know, the one that you will always and forever remember is Jason Bay. And you can sit there and say, well, you know what? Yeah, okay, he was from where? Jason Bay performed well in Boston, which made me think when the Mets went out and got him that he was going to perform well here. You know, Boston's a tough city to play in. You don't play well in Boston, they want your ass out. Very much like New York. And so if it was me and I was a GM and I was going around the free agent market, what I would be looking for are guys that are headstrong, guys that are going to be able to perform in a city that demands excellence. And so I think what the Mets have done, specifically Scherzer, I think he's exactly what they needed, clearly. I mean, anybody would want him. Who wouldn't? And then you talk about the managerial choice. I think it's been a brilliant offseason for this team. Got to go do it on the field for sure, but I do like what they have done. And so 1 o'clock, the Zoom press conference, Buck Showalter officially introduced, and then he'll join Carton and Roberts on the fans sometime in the 2 o'clock hour. And then just real quick, one other other note on baseball, and then we're going to take a break because I got a lot of football to get to, including Al's fraudulent list of five favorite teams (laughs) that I'm going to mimic, if you will. Um We've got this lockout hanging over our head because it's underway. That having been said, we still have a long way to go and a lot happening with COVID. I would like to think things get figured out, but if not, for some reason, I just get the sense they're playing baseball this year, and I don't think it's going to be one of these things that we're staring at one another in April and May saying, what the hell are these two sides doing? Too much money has been spent this year or at least committed to with these contracts, I really do believe that they will figure it out in some way, shape, or form. But it's something that we almost forget. We talk about these moves, and we get all excited, Buck here, and Scherzer there, and what are the Yankees going to do, and blah, 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 blah. Well, right now, nothing. But can't forget, they've got to get that figured out sooner rather than later, at least sometime in February at the latest, so that you can have a normal spring training because you really want them out there in April. You don't want the season starting in May or June. You want to you have a, a regular baseball season. At least I do. And I know my co-host probably would prefer a two-week season and then the playoffs. I like the grind of the baseball season. I really do. I love the routine. I like it 7 o'clock every night. You've got one or two games to watch. And so I really hope, especially with the anticipation of this season coming up, I really, really hope that these two dopey sides can figure this out and that things start on time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to drink a water because the throat's already running dry. So be it. Uh, We've got Boomer and Geo at 6. On the other side, a couple of things. Al's fake, because I'm doing it, fraudulent list of five favorite teams. And, yes, there are some changes from last week. Not that I remember who the five were, but I have a pretty good feeling who he would pick, even though the week's not over because there are two games tonight. But I'm going to give you that. 
coming up because we do that every Tuesday anyway. And I'm also going to give you a little look into the Giants' future with what happened yesterday with Daniel Jones and Joe Judge. So that and a whole lot more coming up on The Fan. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Be part of the show. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. All right, coming up on 25 After 5, it is the warm-up show. Al is off for a couple of weeks, so it's a little bit different. It's not as goofy and light, but it is what it is. Um, And usually every Tuesday, if you listen, we do the Al Duke's fraudulent list of five favorite teams. Now, I said before the break we were going to do it now, and we are. Now, Vito on Twitter said you got to wait till tonight's games are played because that could impact. I disagree, and here's why. So the Rams are a complete no for Al, regardless of how well they play, and that's because he can't stand Odell Beckham Jr. Beckham's on the Rams now. He has taken the Rams off the list forever. Number two, the Seahawks. He's had enough of Seattle. They're gone. So no matter what happens in that game, neither team's making the list. And then you've got Philadelphia and Washington. Eh, they're they're bad teams. Now, he did like Washington, but here's my problem. Since I'm doing the list for him, I will never, ever, 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 ever put a Philadelphia or a Washington team on any list. That's number one. Number two, I guess the Giants. I I never have had a problem with the Giants, but the Giants aren't playing. So if you're looking at these four teams tonight, we're good because there's no way they're making the list. So even though Al's not here, it is time now for the Al Dukes fraudulent list of five favorite teams. All right, so here we go. This is actually pretty easy, believe it or not. I think I have this nailed, and he likes to go one to five. So if I was Al Dukes, I'd go number one. And this is a team that was off the list for a long time, got back on the list a couple of weeks ago. They don't lose anymore. Hence why they're number one, the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is what he is, has not played a great season, but my goodness, if you get Patrick Mahomes not at his best and you win, what's it, seven in a row? They don't lose anymore. So number one on the Al Dukes list of five fraudulent favorite teams, the Kansas City Chiefs. Team number two, a team that has been there for much of this season, they got knocked off for a couple of weeks, but they've won three in a row on the road inside the division. Granted, my favorite team, and Al says he was a fan when he was a kid. I don't know. I question that. The Dallas Cowboys, number two on the Dukes list. Team number three. Now, I'm not sure if this is going to be the first time that they would be on this list of Al's here, but how would they not be? The Indianapolis Colts. Now, the Patriots had been on the list for Al the last several weeks. Patriots go into Indy. On Saturday night, and my goodness, the Colts played a terrific football game. Pats had a chance late, but this Jonathan Taylor is just superb, and he put the game away late with that 67-yard run. Hold on, i got to redo the music. There we go. All right, so that's number three, the Indianapolis Colts. Team number four, now this is a surprise team, and I'll tell you why. Because about three weeks ago, you thought their season was probably about to die. Bounce back team. 
and a team for me growing up I couldn't stand. Should be the same for Al, but again, fraud. The San Francisco 49ers. They are playing defense. They are running the ball. And say what you want about Jimmy G. He doesn't make all that many mistakes. Game manager, star court, call him whatever. He wins. And the Niners are winning. That's team number four. And team number five. Now, Al has had the Bucks on his list for a lot of the season. He loves Tampa number one, meaning the city, not the team. Tom Brady, he's had enough, and then he likes him, then he's had enough, then he likes him. With the way the New Orleans Saints played on Sunday night football in Tampa without their head coach, I mean, hell, their quarterback stinks. But the way their defense harassed Brady and shut out the Bucks, the New Orleans Saints number five. And that right there, now it's a fraudulent list in and of itself because I did it. The Al Dukes fraudulent list of five favorite teams. Uh, Ed Arzuman, you tell me, just quickly having to not think about it too much. Nailed it, not nailed it, somewhere in the middle. Um, I'd have to say where we're sitting at right here in the season, I got to put it at a little bit somewhere in the middle. All right, shut up. No, I mean, no, that's not, what I, no, no, no that's not what I wanted. I wanted to hear that I nailed it, but you, yeah, that's fine. Okay, somewhere in the middle. All right, let's get to <laughs> let's get to the Giants. So yesterday, Joe Judge does his Zoom conference call uh, with the media. And we find out what we kind of knew. Daniel Jones is done for the year, and rightly so. You've got a neck injury. It's not getting better anytime soon. So they do the right thing. He's done for the year. Now, this leads you to the next question of now what? And I don't mean for the next three weeks. The next three weeks mean nothing. The Giants are 4-10. and 10. They can win all three of them, and it doesn't mean a damn thing. What are they, 4-10? and 10? They go for whatever the hell it is. Yeah, they got three games to go, 14 games. So they can go 7-10, and 10, and the season is what it is. So if it was me, I'd start Jake Fromm the next three weeks. We'll see. I don't know that they're going to just from this standpoint. When Joe Judge was asked about that yesterday, he made the comment, just because he had a good drive at the end of a game that was pretty much decided doesn't mean he's ready to play a a full NFL game. Now, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that was pretty much his gist. I do believe he will indeed be the starter, but I'm not 100% sold on it until he makes the announcement. Probably Wednesday, maybe Thursday, we'll see. But beyond the three weeks, the bigger question is, what do the Giants do at the quarterback position? Now, here's the conundrum you have. Daniel Jones has played less than three full seasons as he's going into the final year of his rookie contract, which would be next year. Got to make a decision. I forget when it is. It's somewhere in April or May on the fifth-year option. So you've got a couple of things you can do here. You can, A, say, we believe we've got our guy. We think he's going to have a big year next year, so let's accept and and pick up the fifth-year option and know that we've got him locked in for 23. He'll come back next year. He'll play, but we know he's good for the following year. He'll be at ease, and we've got our guy. And then we'll worry about a long-term contract after that, but for the most part, we know he's around through 23. The problem with that for me is I believe from what I read If they pick up that fifth-year option, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I got this right from the several articles I read, that he will make roughly between $20 and $22 million. Now, Daniel Jones has not been a bad quarterback, but he sure as hell hasn't been a good quarterback. He has been right there in the middle. He's a kid who's got potential, runs for his life, and turns the ball over too much. Sounds like average to maybe even a little below average. 
And I know the top quarterbacks get 35, 38, 40 million dollars. God knows what Aaron Rodgers will get next year. I understand. But I don't know that Daniel Jones warrants right now, he might next year, but right now I don't know that he warrants that kind of money. He can't stay healthy, and part of that is his it's it's weird. It's what you love about him and what you don't like about him. He's got a reckless abandon that he likes to run with, and he wants to show the toughness that he has. And that's great. The problem is what you're dealing with right now. You know, if you're going to play that way at that position, your team needs you on the field. And so while I don't necessarily fault him for it, because I do think a lot of these plays are designed plays for him, blame the coaching staff as much him, He's got to be able to give you 16 or 17 games every year. He has to. Because without him, and without your starting quarterback, yeah, sure, some backup quarterbacks can win. See Colt McCoy in Arizona this year. No question about it. Some backup quarterbacks can come in and give you good games. Huntley in Baltimore nearly pulled off the win over over the Packers on Sunday. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying you need consistency at that position, and you need your guy on the field. So we've seen in two-plus years, almost three, we'll call it two and two-thirds, if you will, you've got a kid that I know the Giants like but hasn't exactly lived up to expectations for where he was drafted. Now, where he was drafted, that's another argument for another day, which we've had and can continue to have. Pick too high. It is what it is. Whatever. Maybe they could have got him later. All right, that's fine. It's in the past. He's here, and it is. Now, the other option, and this is what this is the way I would go, You don't pick up the option, the fifth-year option. Go prove it. I don't understand why that's such a bad option. doesn't mean you're going to lose him. It just means that you're still not sure of him. And not for nothing. How the hell can he be sure of himself still? I know he's got confidence. Everyone's got confidence. Hell, look at Mike White. Mike White had a good five minutes with the Jets and literally had the balls to say, and good for him, that in my mind I think I should have been the number one overall pick. You played four good quarters. Let's relax. So all of these guys have an ego. They all have confidence because they all have a special talent that most of the rest of the world don't. So I get it. And he should think that he should be the Giants quarterback for the next 10, 12, or if you're Tom Brady, 20 years. But he hasn't done it. And he hasn't proven that he can do it on a consistent basis. Which is why if I am the Giants, I do not, under any circumstances... Pick up that fifth-year option, which leads you to the next question. Who the hell is even making that decision? I imagine Joe Judge will have some say, because I don't think he's going anywhere. I I don't think Dave Gettleman will be here, but who knows? So let's assume for the moment Gettleman's gone, like most think. I will assume Joe Judge is staying, because everything you've read is that John Mara wants to give him a chance, doesn't want another two-year-and-out head coach like the last one. And I get that. I do. Between McAdoo and Shermer, you want to give Joe Judge a young and supposedly up-and-coming coach. You want to give him the time to grow and learn and be what you thought he'd be. So now you're going to have a new GM come in. If I'm the new GM, what do I know about Daniel Jones other than the film I'm going to watch? Haven't been around him. Don't know him personally, most likely. And so if you throw that all into the mix, I think it's a pretty easy decision and answer. Go Prove it next year. Now, you go prove it. I guess they could tag him. So, it's not, again, it's not like he's gone. It just means the money he's going to make will probably be absurd. But if he proves it and shows you that he's that guy, you don't mind spending it. 
It's that simple. You know, you're not asking for a lot. Now, the problem for him, when I look at how he has played, and it's not to, listen, we ain't taking phone calls anyway, so I'm not going to worry about people calling about the offensive line. But at the end of the day, until that's fixed, it's not going to matter anyway. It's just not. Unless you got a guy that's durable, that can run, that's not going to get hurt. But, boy, they're tough to find. Hell, even Lamar Jackson is missing Missed a game the other day for the first time due to injury. I know he's missed because of illness. That was the first game Lamar Jackson's ever missed due to injury Sunday against Green Bay, the ankle injury. Running quarterbacks have a tough time staying on the field. You need to be a pocket quarterback. You need to have a presence. And my God, you need to have a good, solid five up front. And the Giants haven't had it for years and years and years. And it's amazing. We went over the numbers or the names yesterday. And again, the Cowboys are not, I don't think, winning the Super Bowl this year. So don't misunderstand me. But they have been consistently better than than not. They really have. They've been average for sure some years. But it's hard to find that 3-13 and season. You know? And I'm not talking about when the quarterback's completely out. I mean, they were bad last year. But when you when you look at that team and they stay relatively healthy, they've been consistently good. Not great. Not great. Uh, They certainly have won a lot of playoff games. We know that. But you look at the list of players they drafted and what they have, and that's what teams need to do. I've always thought that. Free agency's great, but it's really hard to make it work consistently as opposed to when you draft well and the Giants haven't drafted well or haven't drafted smart. Take your pick. They're one and the same or can be one and the same. So if I'm the Giants, if I'm the new GM, even if I'm Dave Gettleman and I'm not gone somehow, that's what I do. Daniel, we like you, but unfortunately, you haven't stayed healthy. You haven't been good enough. You haven't won. You got to show us a little more. We want you here, but you got to show us more. Seems fair to me, but who knows? All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, a couple of minutes on last night's games. Also, what's going on in the NBA and the NHL. The NHL on pause. We'll get to that, too. Some college basketball notes as well. Boomer NGO at 6 on the fan. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. Al and Jerry, Radio Gaga, Radio Goo Goo, Radio Doo Doo. All right, Al is off, 20 in front of six. Boomer and Gio at the top of the hour. A couple of things on Twitter before I get to last night's football. So my man Vito, who wanted me to wait till tonight, actually enjoyed the list, so I appreciate that as I think I kind of swayed him a little bit. I will try to get Al's list in time for tomorrow, but I don't know that that'll be the case. Who knows? Then I've got <laughs> Joey B. And I don't think this is Joe Beningo, but whatever. You suck it off the radio. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Which goes to show. So yesterday, it's really funny. Yesterday, you put a couple of things out with no opinion, by the way. 
it was more a matter uh, I was reacting to what I believe to be a positive story <laughs> that Bloomberg put out about COVID. No opinion, just that hopefully that this is true, and then hopefully we're heading in the right direction, which led to this insane, ridiculous back and forth with several guys on Twitter, some defending me for doing nothing other than posting a story that I thought would, I don't know, try to preach a little bit of positivity in this godforsaken world we're living in right now. And then they were on the other side, just killing me for being this right-wing nut. I couldn't be further from that. I don't give a damn about your politics. I am. I couldn't be more in the middle. But I tell you, people hear just what they want to hear. It is unbelievable. This Twitter thing, if it wasn't for the importance of the job. Now, you can make the case I, I could delete my account and then start a new one and just follow reporters. I could do that. But then I feel like the creeps win. That's what I feel like. Can't let them win, Jerry. I don't want to let them win because I am the least controversial person. This is, and it's true. And I really do believe this. And this will be in the calendar next year. And I've, I've realized, again, probably a character flaw of mine, but so be it. I care very little about a lot. That's become my new thought process. And it's not, a, I don't think it's good to be that way, but I just don't have the time the energy, or the care. I do the same thing, It's bro. enough. It's a why There's just too much. If you allow yourself to get wrapped up in every single I, little thing, you're going to be so angry and irate correct. at life. And that's that's people on Twitter, half of them. I mean, not everybody, but you it's know, a lot. the people that are loud. It's a lot. It's the know? people that are screaming and texting and typing all the time and yeah. tweeting all the time. I mean, some people are really nice. They send us some nice things, but Listen. some people are miserable and they're just on there to... You know, bitch and moan. I do believe the far. I really do believe the far majority are good people. I do. The problem is the a holes jump out and they blare at you. And to your point, I, listen. I've always said this, so I am not saying anything I haven't said to him. I look at Al as like an older brother to me. I love him to death, but he drives me crazy sometimes. And exactly what you're talking about is what he will do. Like there are things he doesn't like. And instead of ignoring it and not worrying about it, he jumps right in headfirst into the deep end of the pool. Why? Boom. Let it go. You set yourself up for failure. Just let it go. All you're doing is driving yourself crazy. And I don't understand it for the life of me. I never will. And he, and it, what's interesting is I think it bothers him that I don't care about crap that bothers him. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way, too. When you don't have an opinion on what they have an opinion on and I you tell care. them that, they don't believe you. Because I don't care. Yep. I, I don't care. So I will continue when I see positive articles. I'm going to continue to tweet them out. You don't like it, discard it. The power of positivity, Jerry. Holy crap. Anyhow, let's quickly, because I know we got Boomer and Geo coming up in a few minutes. So last night, you had a really couple of interesting football games. Because you had two teams last night that were hit incredibly hard by COVID-19. The Cleveland Browns, I think, had 18 players. Might have even grown to 20, uh, if you include the coaches. And the Ra- uh, not the Raiders, excuse me, the Bears had their entire secondary depleted. And I think their list was 15 or 16 players. It was some stupid number. And yet both teams had legit opportunities to win games. Hell, the Browns get a touchdown pass from Nick Mullins with around three or four minutes to go. Take the lead. And at that point, 
It's on your defense to hold them. Now, they don't. And Derek Carr gets his team in position, 48-yard field goal from Carlson. But really interesting that as bad as it was for both teams because of COVID, they went out there and they played hard. Now, in terms of the Bears, listen, you can't turn the ball over three times. You can't turn the ball over on downs three times inside the 21-yard line and blame anything on COVID. The Bears suck. Let's call it like it is. They're a 4-10 and football team, whether it's COVID, whether it's them just playing not good football. They lost again. Think about this. I, I, I had to take a look at this six different times because I couldn't believe it. Kirk Cousins last night, and I know the game's outside. It's not on turf indoors. It's outdoor at Soldier Field. I get all that. We were making fun of Mike Glennon throwing for 99 yards Sunday in the giant loss to the Cowboys. Kirk Cousins had 12 completions for 87 yards last night. Dalvin Cook only averaged three yards per carry. If I told you that before last night's game, you would have said, damn, look at what the Bears did. The Bears actually got one. No, no, they didn't. They still lost the game. It's amazing. There's how many different ways to skin a cat. Well, the Vikings figured out way number 17 last night. 87 yards passing, not much from your running back, and yet they win the game. And not only that, they win the game going away because you'll see 17-9, to the touchdown scored late. The game was over. So really bizarre that these two teams battled COVID, yes, but still could have. And you can even make case should have won these games, and they didn't. So now what will happen going forward? No idea. 50 more players yesterday, I think, was the number, uh, including Travis Kelsey. I think Joey Bosa is on the list. Um, you, know, va- you know, vaccinated players. So we'll see how they handle this. But uh, it is a delicate time because between that and the fact that they played those games last night, um, and, you know, low scoring, they were what they were, but they got them in. You know, what does the weekend look like? Who the hell knows? And then the NHL goes on pause. Part of me likes this, part of me doesn't, but it is what it is. Now, the pause isn't for a month. It's only for a couple of days. It's not that big a deal. And I'll tell you who wins, especially if they're healthy. The players' families win. Because if you were scheduled to play on Christmas or around Christmas, Christmas Eve, and I don't know exactly what the schedule was. Who cares? They take a break on Christmas. They do? What about Christmas Eve? Normally, yes. They don't play over Christmas. Look at you. You're no Christmas Eve? You're coughing in here. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, I'm what good. Are we doing? What are we doing? I, the problem is I've been talking for an hour straight. Yeah, I know. I'm I actually good. I went to the doctor yesterday. I don't care if you went to the doctor. What does that mean? It means I'm good. There's fagazi testing going on all over the but place. I'm, no, but I got medicine. She, had, you know you what she told medicine. me yesterday? Yeah, the doctor told what me yesterday. What medicine did you get? Uh, Z-Pack yesterday. Oh. You didn't get a medicine she, ball from Starbucks? No. You know what she told me yesterday? No. Because I've gone to the doctor now twice in the last three weeks, and I've, for real, I've tested, this was my ninth test yesterday in the last three weeks. All negative. Oh. She said there's a, some strain, this upper respiratory infection strain, yes. that takes four weeks to clear your system. Oh. So she goes, the bad news is you got it. The good news is you're on week four. Are you shedding it? Well, I'm on medicine. Well, I don't care, but are you sure? And I actually, it? and here's the weird thing. I felt, I don't want to say 100% when I woke up because there was part of me last night that was wondering, should I stay home? Because I felt not great yesterday as the day went on. And I'm like, all right, when I wake up, if I don't feel well, I'm going to have to. Boomer, I woke up, I felt great. I drove in here. I'm like, you know what? I'm finally through it. I feel wonderful. I was out. You can even ask the guys. I was in the newsroom. I felt fine. Started the show, no problem. The last 15 minutes, I've started to lose it again. Really? Yeah, Just I just think it's the constant conversation, that's all. You still haven't asked, answered my question. Which, which was what? Are you shedding? No. Do you shed? I don't shed, but are you shedding your virus? 
I don't think so. You're walking around here like a big old shed, shed no, I'm dog. I'm wearing my mask everywhere. All right. Not in here you don't. Uh, what did you want me to do? I felt good when I woke up. I don't know. Just stay just home. A, I'll stay home tomorrow. All right. If you want. You tell well, me what you tell I don't me want, what you I don't want, want you to do. I want you to do what you feel is best for you, your family, and your and the, your work your Had workplace I family. Felt that's all. Bad when I woke up this morning, I would have I would have texted you guys that I was staying home, but I, I felt clo- as close to 100% at 3 a.m. or 2:30 when I got up this morning as I've had in weeks. And again driving in, I'm like, god, finally I'm back. Yeah, you're back, all right. I'm back. I, I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, but you know what? That having been said, I do feel okay. I really do. Yeah. So, okay. You look right. okay. Like You can always tell when somebody doesn't feel I agree. Good. I totally agree. I think you can. I think I've had some good... Zoo, have I had good energy this hour? Yeah, you've been moving and shaking. Have I seemed sick? Uh, I mean, just a couple Zoo's of coughs, nothing no. crazy. I mean, you're killing me. A little, little nasally. A little nasally. Again, but not when I started. Yeah, Just well, the last 10 minutes. Yeah, no, it's been over the last, like, couple For of real. minutes. That's why G's well, going to have a tough time in the 8 and 9 o'clock hour. Well, maybe maybe what it is, maybe it's your your vocal cords are swelling up because you've been screaming and yelling for 45 minutes. A lot to talk about. A lot yeah. to talk about. Right. Yeah, so anyway, the NHL doesn't play on Christmas anyway. Well, my point is, you know what? They get They're going to play their last game. They're going to play two games tonight. And then that's it until the 27th. And that's it until next Monday, yes. Exactly right. And then there were some college basketball games that were canceled, some postponed. So a lot more to do. 5.52. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. All right, welcome back. A couple more minutes. We'll get you to the top of the hour with Boomer and Geo. Boomer is in nice and early fours. We got Buck Showalter Day. Are you at least, and by the way, last night, uh, nobody locally played. You do got the Knicks tonight taking on the Pistons. Nets are uh, postponed until uh, Thursday. Skeleton uh, roster for the next two, by the way. Well, yeah, and I see what they're doing. You know, it's funny how some people love what the NBA is doing, allowing teams to just sign players to replace the COVID-positive players. I guess it's a good thing because the games keep going on, but you're right. Teams are almost unrecognizable in, in some cases. I, I, the only thing I really worry about, Jerry, in all these sports is competitive balance. I mean, you look at the Browns. They probably should have won yesterday because it looked like the Raiders were playing in the twilight zone. I don't know what they were doing, they dropping won. passes, throw, yeah. you know, just fumbling, muffin punts, you name it. They made every single possible mistake they possibly could. But um, I think there is a real competitive imbalance. Look what happened to the Islanders. All right, so they had to start on the road for 13 games. Then they came home and they had to play four games because they had sold out four games right before uh, Thanksgiving and right after Thanksgiving. And their whole season has been screwed up, and they had to play through their covid where a lot of these other teams don't have to play through it. Right. They're having postponements to allow them to get healthy. So I, I think that's a real competitive imbalance. I, re, I really Well, do. then what's the solution? If you don't like that, do you want all these sports pausing for no, a couple I, of weeks? I don't know. Listen, I wish I knew what the solution would be. I wish I could be a fly on the wall in these discussions for these sports. But I just think, look, let's be fair. The Islanders got screwed. 100%. I mean, royally. And now all these other teams have two or three guys down. Now they're going to pause and try to get a hold of it, which seems to make uh, a lot of sense. And there's no way the NHL is going to the Olympics. No way. They can't. No way. I agree. Especially I with the three are, window. Yeah, I know a lot of players are not going to want to go anyway, but I I think that they're like the Russian players. I, I know they're going to want to go. When does that decision have to be made? I would say middle Soon. of January at some point. Sometime in the middle of January. Cause remember, the it's a two-week break in the beginning of February to go play in the Olympics. I I. I would not want to go. I don't care where it is, but in this case, it is Beijing. I would not want to be stuck quarantined in Beijing for 21 days in a hotel room or 
in the Olympic Village. And what, cons- no way. and what concerns you is with how many people are getting it and how rapidly it spreads. You've got to think the odds are pretty good that you might actually come down with it there. Well, yeah, right. And the, the other thing about this Omicron thing, for the most part, everywhere I look, everything that I have read on every website that I go to for uh, the information on COVID-19, the spread and all that other stuff, says that this is a much more milder strain. Yeah, are there people that are getting sick from it, you know, and and reacting like you would to the flu? I have a friend last night I was talking to. He's got the flu, and it's full-on flu. And it's he's got every single symptom of it. And it's not COVID, it's flu. And, you know, it's like he can't even move out of bed. Kicking his ass. It's, it yeah, is. No, I know, I get it, I know. But, but I mean, do, do we test for the flu anymore? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I mean, like, because... uh the COVID-19 has taken over everything. What's so interesting about that was one of the, I forget who it was, one of the stories yesterday on Twitter was on this day, so-and-so had the flu game where he scored 37 points. And it's like, my God, talk about a different time. Because back then it was like we marveled at these guys for going out there with the Jordan flu game in Utah. Yeah. Like we talk uh, about that like it's this mythical game. And in today's day and age, you may not be allowed to play. You know what? I had a flu game. Uh, for the Jets in 1993, the last game at the Houston a- uh, Astrodome. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Buddy Ryan game, right? Uh, I think it might have been. The, I think it was the Buddy Ryan game. I'm not sure. It's one of the. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. It I wasn't? Think it was, no, I think it was 93. I think 94 might have been the Buddy okay. Ryan game. I'm not sure. Anyway, about eight of us had the flu because the week before we played in Buffalo at minus 35 degrees below zero. And somehow we all caught the flu. And we got our asses handed to us. Yeah, well. Hi, G. How are you? Good morning. I'm just waiting for Zoo to slam on top the ID. All right, I'm sorry. In the middle of your flu story. Boom. I'm done. Now. <laughs> WFAN and WFAN-FM and HD1, New York and Odyssey Station.